What up, what up, everybody? Uh, this is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review, sitting here with Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald. After Creighton's 98-72 victory over Montana, that probably wasn't as easy the whole night as that final score would probably indicate. Um, but nonetheless, it's a 26-point win over a team that for the last like, probably is going to be an NCAA tournament team, we think. I mean, they have a lot of experience, a lot of good players. Um and they looked pretty good for most of the game tonight. Um, but nonetheless, it's an and impressive win. And they're missing a big guy. For so sure. But an impressive win for Creighton nonetheless. So we're here to break it down for you. Uh, we'll get to your questions. We've seen those come in. Um, but I guess, first of all, John, I'll let you swing away at this one first. Your top-of-your-mind takeaways from tonight's victory for the Jays. Creighton's shooting. And just general yeah, offensive they brought, they, brought it, they brought it back from the Caymans, huh? <laughs> yeah. From the Jamin Islands. Right. That that. Are they renaming the islands? I mean, I, I tried to float it out. I, I called it the Jamin Islands Classic, right. but I mean, it didn't no stay. one really reacted okay. negatively towards it, so I feel like it has life still, maybe. Keep, keep it going. Yeah. Did they bring the rims back? Because I was wondering if they would do that, bring the rims back. Uh, Thank God they didn't bring the Maui rims. See how soft those Maui rims are? Man, jeez. Yeah. There's some weird bounces in that yeah. one. Anyway, um, sorry. I just, yeah, like, the, even though they were a little bit disjointed with some of their decision-makings, you know, decision-making, decisions. Talk about, like, the 10 turnovers in the first half. <laughs> the 10 turnovers, yeah. 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 Like, they, there was sort of always the threat for a mistake. Mm-hmm. But when they weren't making the mistakes, and actually even when they were making the mistakes, it seemed like they still had sort of that mentality of, um, that it was like a really good blend of being aggressive but not forcing it. Although I guess some of the mistakes were born out of forcing it, but generally speaking, I just thought they had a good approach to handling that that pressure. Yeah, um, a good approach to attacking that defense, and they continue to play with a lot of effort and energy on offense, making hard cuts, uh, driving with the intention of uh, more more times than not creating for one another. It seems like they it's sort of they know that. The first move, the first like a method of attack, um, whether it's a pe- like taking somebody off the dribble or maneuvering around, around a ball screen, a lot of times that's going to be covered up. Yeah, but what does that open up? Mm-hmm. So what what is a, a when I get the ball to the elbow um, and the defense collapses on me, that's going to create something for somebody else. And maybe that next pass is guarded, and you have to make another pass. Mm-hmm. And maybe that next one is guarded too, and you have to keep attacking. But they like. That, was, to me, was what was really impressive against all three of those teams in the Cayman Islands. It just seemed like every possession was a constant, like, barrage. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, the defense never could rest because each guy on the court um, was able to attack, uh, was confident enough to put the ball on the floor, take a jump shot if they were open. And I think you saw that tonight, too, was just, like, as aggressive as Montana was, they were up in their grill, but Creighton didn't back down. They just kept coming at them, and eventually they either either they wore them down or they um, built big enough lead to where um, you know Montana just couldn't keep it up keep up with it. But I think it was a good thing for the Jays to. It's not on the level of a K State, but like deal with that type of ball pressure and like kind of. You know, it's hard to say match it physically offensively because you don't want to do you don't want to be reckless and turn it over. But and there's certainly moments where that happened tonight. But you know, it just seemed like the Jays weren't going to be 
intimidated. Well, I think and, they've and had like Tyshawn. I mean, Tyshawn was getting mugged pretty much, and he still had like enough mental toughness to say, "I'm still gonna bang this three. Like that three where he was, you know, contested that for was the entire. Ridiculous. Yeah, that was insane. Well, that, yeah, didn't he and that was like the like, second possession of the game. Like that was a tone setter. I thought. Yeah, it was, wasn't he like double teamed or yeah, something? And yeah, they still were all, got it up. Yeah, exactly. And, so and, like, I, and I just watching him maneuver around cuts. I mean, like they were grabbing and holding and yeah, shoving and. Yeah. Um, you know, refs called. They called it pretty tight, but you can't call everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the way that Montana approaches this game. Is like, they, okay, we're going to get called for fouls when we reach yeah. and when we grab, but we know you're not going to call everything. Yeah, we've and got so, five, so yeah, yeah, we're, right. we're making call them all. But right? I, yeah, I thought Tyshawn was. I think he's. I can't wait to rewatch the game and just sort of keep an eye on his. Like, I, he he comes off a game scoring 36 obviously he's feeling good and he wants to get shots up but i just thought that he had a really good um isn't it crazy that he had that type of game and only comes back and takes nine shots yeah that's what i'm you saying know what i mean he like just, he he was, was he never forced it and he could have right um and and many i feel like i remember like one just one shot he was like a fadeaway jumper that was like eh mm-hmm. but everything else was it felt like it was in rhythm and maybe you know at the end of the shot clock shot you would prefer something better but at that point you're like give it to your best playmaker and he exactly. made a big time three um and he attacked the rim well fighting through some of that pressure it, it was I just I, I thought that there have been games in the past where team teams like Montana with their aggressiveness their their you know attacking pressure and again they don't have the athletes of a high major team, but mm-hmm. they still have good players. Sure, um, and they're they're good at what they do for the most part. That their identity is in in that. Hey, we're gonna get up in you. I think Creighton at times is almost like like stumbled backward. You know, it, it's almost kind of just been like they staggered a bit when they f- play teams like that, and mm-hmm. either they haven't ever found their footing or found gotten comfortable or um it's taken them like the it takes them a whole half to kind of get used to it and you can make an argument that today Creighton it did take them some time to get used to it but they still made shots and mm-hmm. um despite the pressure that that was being applied to them and so um I thought that was notable and it, you do have to bring up the fact that Montana didn't have a big guy so that allowed Creighton to kind of operate without much resistance inside and a lot, and gave them some maybe a little bit more fearlessness than they would have had if that, there was a six eight guy um, standing at the rim. Mm-hmm. But still, I yeah I thought I just thought the mentality that Creighton had in the Cayman Islands was evident again tonight, and that's a good sign because if they if they are able to keep that up, even if they don't shoot sixty percent from the floor, mm-hmm. which they're not going to obviously, right. I mean, yeah, even, whatever that's... they're shooting right now is still for the season is still incredible. Mm-hmm. They're not going to keep that up. But if you have that mentality, um, I think more times than not you're going to get good results offensively. And so, I think the thing that surprised me the most that I was kind of always conscious of throughout the game was just how how easily, and maybe easily isn't the right word, but like how easily Creighton was dictating the pace of the game. Because um, even when... Even when Montana was playing well in the first half, I felt like they're not doing a really good job of controlling the game the way I thought they would um, to slow Creighton down because I thought depth was going to be a problem for them tonight. And I didn't think they wanted a game that was, you know, 
plus 70 possessions. I don't know what we ended up with, but it had to have been. There were 37 in the oh, first half. Oh, it was only 68. So, what, but, really? Yeah, 68 percent in the game. So, but the first half, like I said, 37. Yeah, I think there were 37 in the first half. Mm-hmm. That's why I wrote there were, my notes. There yeah. were 37 in the first half. But, so that, to me, was too many. That was a, that was a pace that Montana wasn't going to be able to keep up with. And despite how efficient they were offensively in the first half, and despite Creighton turning the ball over 10 times, Creighton was still able to get the game up and down, which I think has always been something, has always been like kind of an, an Achilles heel of Creighton's when they face a team that, even when they've beaten teams like going North Carolina Central, like games like where they're just, where they have a talent advantage, they still have had trouble dictating tempo against teams yeah. that want to deliberately slow them down. Um, so and tonight, I thought was going to be another one of those games. Man, and they dude, got the game going. I, I thought that was the issue the last two games of the season last year was K State against K State and Providence. That, mm-hmm. that exact thing of like, yeah, these teams aren't going to. They don't want to let you run, but that's what you do. So right. you got to find a way to do it. You exactly. know, like sure they they're going to hold the ball for. 20 to 25 seconds on offense, but that doesn't mean you have to, so right. keep pushing it when you get a rebound, go. And I, I did feel like Creighton had fallen into that trap of trying to slow things down and just not make a mistake against pressure because they're up in your grill and you want to just avoid a turnover. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I think they kind of plowed through that dam, so to speak, even though they did have some mistakes along the way that yeah, were right. kind of like alarming. It wasn't, it wasn't but. clean, but they were able to – Yeah, they were, <laughs> yeah. because I thought at the, end of the, at the end of the first half, I don't know if Creighton – I think Caleb Joseph did provide a lift defensively. He did have some possessions where he kind of, like, got a little nasty, played with a little bit of an edge on defensive end. But I also thought a lot of that had to do with Montana starting to wear down. It might have, um, yeah. Because I thought the pace was, like I said, 37 possessions and a half. I didn't think Montana wanted to play that way. Yeah. Um, so I think I thought that was why Creighton was able to get some separation towards the end of the first half. Yeah, well, I, I did and, want to talk about that one play because there was it was uh, – Caleb got switched onto the dude who was killing Creighton. Who was yeah, that? Yeah, Sayid Pritchett. Pritchett. Um, he got switched onto Pritchett, and Pritchett kind of backed him down, and Caleb stood up, you know, just straight up, hands up, walled up on him, and um, and, and Pritchett couldn't find, like, a, a gap, and eventually threw a shot up and got blocked. Yep, and I saw, not the help side. Right, and I saw the bench sort of react to that, and Caleb reacted to that, and then I think a few moments later on that same possession um, – the guy he Caleb was guarding traveled. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Caleb really had much to do with it, but he did. Like the guy did travel. Mm-hmm. He was there at least in position. So I I thought that possession was something that helped spark Creighton's defense because that was during the stretch where they I think they got five straight stops at the end of the first half, and to me kind of changed the flow of the game a little bit. Yeah, it, it at least allowed Creighton to build a lead, and you know they went into halftime up nine, and then obviously blitzed them to start the second half, but. Yeah, that was kind of the question. It, it seemed like Creighton was scoring with relative ease, aside from the turnovers. You were like, are they going to ever get a stop? I mean, if they could string a couple stops together, they, they'd actually build a lead, and that's what they did. And yeah. They, then they kind of I, – I, I What's charted, crazy is, I, like, Montana shot 67% in the second half, but, um, you know, they turned the ball over eight times, so that was – and the free throw shooting was. And they oh, actually, get, they might have shot better in the. They free did shoot three. better in the second yeah. half, but still six of ten. But I mean, they only hit two threes. Like I, I guess the type of Creighton was essentially making them trade threes for twos, and then Creighton got to the free throw line a lot, and yeah. they didn't turn the ball over. So like, Montana was converting at a high rate, but I don't think it was necessarily, um, you know, something Creighton was worried about them keeping up with. I think so. Montana only, you know, was a in the second half. Let's see what they had points for possession wise. They were, you know, just barely over one. 
Um, it was it was better in the second half than it was in the first half. They were at 1.08. They were at 1.03 in the second half. So the points per possession came down, and that's a big, you know, Mac measures the defense based on that um, in terms of how – because, I mean, Creighton scored at 1.5, I think, in the second half. So It's crazy. Montana was definitely having a tough time go, keeping go up. To, just, this is just for random my interest. Yeah, go to Montana's second half stats. So they, they shot 12 of 18 from the field. Yep. Yet only had a 1.032 points per possession. It's yep. the the analytics 20 of basketball. Point, Twenty points in the paint. Right. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that it you can actually. I mean, you can live with a 1.032 points per possession rate. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's. I think Craig would prefer it's under one. I think that's the goal. But I, I mean, to give up. I mean, if you're going to score at 1.5, allowing 1.03 is going to blow the team out. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, especially, uh, yeah, giving up twos. And if you think about it, Montana scores 72 points, as well as Montana shot at 55% for the game, 47 from three. Montana only scored 72 points in a 68 possession game. Yeah. So, I mean, you probably, that's probably, you know, you can do you can take that. Yeah. Despite how well they shot the ball. And, and despite, you know, just watching it, it didn't, it, it looked, at times, you're just kind of like, uh-oh. I mean, if... if if this player is able to get to the rims that easily against yeah. you, uh, what's going uh, yeah, Sa- to do on yeah, Saturday? Saturday is going to be a whole different animal. We're going to, we're going to, we're going well, and it's not going to jump into that. In but minute, it's not but. even just that. It's like, well, yeah. you're going to be playing uh, Nebraska with a couple guards that can get to the rim. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, in the Big East, you're going to be playing guards who can get to the rim. That kind of thing. It's just uh, there. I think there are there are moments tonight. There are moments last week where you're just like. Defensively, Creighton does have to improve. Yeah. Um, Martin Crample, I think we should start with in terms of uh, just highlighting some individuals because while I thought Tyshawn's three at the end of the shot clock set a tone, I certainly think Damian Jefferson needs to be talked about. But Martin, I thought um, it was noticeable, I guess, how much Creighton was attacking the interior of Montana's defense. And it, you know, to us, it was really apparent that they were going to have a problem keeping Creighton um, out of that area of the floor and especially at the rim. And I thought Martin, you know, he had to, he literally dunked on one player yes. to draw a foul, he, uh, he slipped an easy one and had a one-handed <laughs> slam where there was literally nobody in the paint, which is a byproduct of Creighton's spacing. So, yeah. um, But I thought they made a conscious effort to, um, you know, get into the, the teeth of the defense um, – and try to make plays, but also make the rim a priority as well. Yeah, I agree. And Martin just, I felt like he fit this game for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 17 points on seven shots is really efficient for a big guy. <laughs> no doubt. And and I feel like Samson Froling, like, I don't know, maybe the guys were just a little bit too quick for him. They definitely had quick hands, and um, he turned it over a couple times. He's kind of having a trend. Game. He's kind of having He's a... He's learning. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think there's definitely some growing pains going on with right. Sam, in terms of the speed of the game and mm-hmm. everything like that. Um, because he's had some turnover problems um, so far. And then I thought the the first stint from Jacob Epperson wasn't no wasn't great, Agreed. but then the next one was phenomenal. Yeah, and, then, and I think the next one, too, after that was good. To end the half, he was really right. good. Yeah. Um, so he settled in, but I thought Martin was good from the start. And, yeah, he was I, – I, man, I, I, I thought he did some things in a one-on-one setting defensively that I liked. I think that the coaches are still going to try to get their bigs to help 
maybe more aggressively on drivers. Did like, you think he did a good job of that tonight? Because I thought Martin well, did. I thought I thought Martin was good at like. I didn't think plugging. Jacob was. But. So I thought Martin was good at like plugging driving lanes. Like right. if a guy was getting into the middle of the or or going downhill, he was there to sort of stop that. Mm-hmm. But once a guy had already turned the corner, and was ready to go up for a bucket, that's like where you want your big guy to sort of wall up and challenge that shot or block it or at least make it tougher, and I didn't think Martin was there for that. If you know, and, and it's one of the things Martin mentioned in the postgame and Greg McDermott mentioned as well and, uh, as far as something that defensively they feel like they need to make yeah. a, a big stride in quickly. I think Martin is really good at like um, almost like putting the fire out. I think they use that term at yeah. times with a dribbler yeah. when um, either it's a, whether he's hedging on a ball screen or maybe the guy's uh, got a... Uh, Double team in the baseline. Yeah, something catch, like that. Right? Like he, I think he's good at that. Um, but I think one of the things that he's probably working on and going to try to work on is just when you're when he's like right out at the rim, sort of protecting the rim from that from right there and mm-hmm. challenging shots without fouling because that's obviously important too. They don't want him to get in foul trouble. And then I think um, Jacob too is is trying to figure out like when do I go block this shot. When do I stay home with my guy mm-hmm. because this defender has it handled? But I think they both have potential to be better at it, and uh, and it was it was noticeable at times because obviously I don't I mean I don't know what <laughs> Montana shot from two, but it was good, <laughs> especially in the second half. Yeah, so um, they got a lot of they got a lot of looks at the what at the rim. game eighteen for oh my god that doesn't right is it eighteen for thirty eighteen for 30? That's what they were from two? Yeah, that's okay. okay. That's not, it's not as good as I No, it's not it was, as good as they usually have been. In no, they were 60, season. I think they were 63% from. Yeah, you noted that during the game. 63% from two, which is third in the country coming into this game. And, and that's without their big guy. The big guys only played in one game. So it was definitely a team. That, well, they were, so they were 10 for 13 in the second half, so they got that thing going. Right. <laughs> they figured they, they figured it out. Yeah. It. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a team that has a lot of these guards that can really attack and put pressure on you by um, – you know, getting the ball in the paint and creating high percentage looks. And so they were pretty good at that. And mm-hmm. you kind of thought they would be. Um, but at least for Creighton, it kind of gives them a blueprint of, oh, okay, these are the things we have to work on. Because as we've noted so many times with this team, it is there is it is like a work in progress for a lot of aspects of the game. And, you know, defending the dribble and, and being connected as a team um, against dribble drivers is still something they have to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski is uh, turning into a star before our eyes pretty quickly, I think. Um, you know, Damian, Davion Mintz picks up, you know, two fouls in about three and a half minutes, maybe. Something like that. Is, it was quick. Very fast. I mean, Marcus's warm-up was off when that whistle was still echoing through the CHIL <laughs> yeah. center, so he knew what the situation was, which I guess, you know, just speaks to his awareness, really. He, no one even had told me that he knew he was, he knew that was number two and it's ready to go in, so... But I mean, you know, defensively, it's it's a work in progress. We obviously know that, and in the first half, that was probably the reason the game was as close as it was, um, despite how well he was playing, how well he was pushing the pace. But I mean, you know, it, it, just to take it from game to game, like, you know, he had six assists and eight turnovers against Georgia State and Clemson combined, so it was obviously becoming a little bit of an issue in terms of how well he was taking care of the ball, and tonight he comes back with six assists, which is a season high, and no turnovers. Um, and he still gets five boards, so he still crashes well. Uh, you know, that's been a big part of his game so far. And 
you know, I don't know how you can be anything but impressed with the progress he's made so far, you know, through, you know, what are we, seven games into his college basketball yeah. career. I mean, he's he's got a lot of potential, and I think, you know, he's showing um, showing it quickly, and he's able to, you know, be an impact player on this team when, you know, maybe in the summer when he was injured, you weren't sure what he was going to be able to provide. Um, he's really come a long way no, in a short he time. Has. He has. I, and I like, see, I feel like the conversation, whenever Marcus Zagorowski plays well, the conversation always centers on or, like, tilts toward should he start. Sure. And I actually like him coming off the bench. And I don't, I, you know, each, each player is different. Mm-hmm. I felt like last year Ronnie Harrell was better when he came off the bench. Like he, Ronnie said he was better when he came yeah, off the bench. He, yeah, he had yeah. a better feel. So I, well, I haven't talked to Marcus Zagorowski about this, and I'm sure he probably is the type of guy who could do whatever. Right. But, um, man, it, it's it's really notable when he comes in the game and um, his, his style, the difference in how he runs a team versus – or how he runs the offense versus how Davion Mintz runs the offense. And I – I don't know. I just think that that. I mean, I think Davion's a skilled player. I think he's got the ability to be an impact player on this team. I don't think there's any question about that. But there is no way Davion Mintz is making the play that Marcus Zagorowski made to get Mitch Bell at that quarter three. Yeah, it just, it's just—it's just not in his yeah. skill set. He's never shown that. I mean, that—that's like quick, real-time court awareness to where, for a true freshman to understand. Here's what I have. Here's what my primary is, and it's not there, so I know that's there. Like, I don't even know if I saw Mitch in my peripheral vision, and the ball went there and it was bang. Like, you know, in front of Montana's bench, like that was an incredibly mature play for a point guard to make. And and it looked like he. And the other thing too that he does really well is his like court awareness in transition. Um. And and vision too, but he he, just, he had one flip, but he had one no look flip back in the Cayman Islands. I don't know which game it was, but it, it almost led to a Martin layup, but he got fouled. Oh yeah, but like so he was at Martin was or Marcus was leading the play, and he had the it, wherewithal to flip it back because he knew uh, a big man was trailing. It just seems like he has a good, I mean, it's lack of a better term, feel for the game, when, yeah. especially when he's leading the break and. It, Go, did he go one on three? He did. But, but he went one on three in a smart way because, like, none of those guys were in position to defend him. They were all sort of, like, backpedaling in a weird spot. And he spot. went really high off the glass. And, yeah. So, like, a trailing shot blocker would have a tough time getting to it. Right. And yeah. both of those guys can leap, and they both slapped the backboard, but he was hot. His his, his layup was higher it than It was them. at the top of the square, so he, like, kind of softly yeah. kissed it off of the – and just let it drop through the net like that. I mean, yeah, he was, he was he's good. just got a – I mean, it's not even – it's not even about his something he's got to learn. He has all those things already. Like the things that he are trying to learn is, you know, trying to be a serviceable defender. Yeah. Uh, keep guys in front. Keep the dribble in front he of him. D- and I stuff think like he that. does like, actually, by the way, lead the team in charges. Like I, I got to go back and look at the notes. He might have three. Wow, three tonight. I don't know. He's definitely he, two. I know. I remember two. I for remember sure. two. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I mean, that's yeah. that's one part of it. The other part is guarding the dribble. Right. Like just being better in a one-on-one setting he said something like i gotta take more pride in it mm-hmm. um i honestly think that he's a pretty competitive guy and he takes a lot of pride in it but there's things that you can learn about how, how to maneuver how to maneuver yeah, and exactly. how and where guys are going to go and mm-hmm. how to 
beat learn the, learn the angles and, and beat him to spots and stuff like that that will he'll get better at over time. Right. Um, but I, no, I, I, I think his I mind just, for the game is, is going to help him get to that point yeah, quicker than I, I, you know, it's Davion's in this weird stretch right now where he I feel like maybe he's forcing a little bit too much at the start of games or something because he hasn't performed well early in games, but mm-hmm. man, he's been really good in second halves. Yeah, and like that's that's no joke. And I think he was, and and I feel for him tonight because I think he was really frustrated by the fouls he was getting called for. Um, yeah, there were a couple. The cheap fourth ones. one, he was really upset because no I think doubt. he wanted to kind of get into the rhythm of the game a little bit. And he was he starting felt like, to. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, started, he was exactly. making a, he made a couple good plays, and that got taken away from him. So yeah. I understand. But I do think that they have a nice little combo right now, a point guard, and yeah, you know, um, they they. They actually play off each other pretty well when they're both on the court together, too, um, which has given Creighton a little bit more versatility and the ability to rest a guy like Tyshawn, who uh, um, obviously is their go-to scorer. But when you move, when you slide Davion Mitz over to the two, like he sees the floor pretty well as a scorer. Like he makes pretty strong cu- cuts to the basket. He he uh, he's floated open in the corner a couple times or on the wing for three-point shots, like. Um, find a way to get open, so it's encouraging. You know, I think they they probably want to see more consistency from both of them, but mm-hmm. um, I think they they've built some depth at that spot more so than they have over the last several years, which is a good sign. Yeah, uh, Mitch Ballack, fourteen points on seven shots at four or six threes, uh, no turnovers again. So I think. Yeah, he's at 26 assists, 8 turnovers for the... So he has 8 turnovers and 10 steals on the year. He had another steal tonight. Um, so he's now shooting 19 of 41 from 3. So he's 47% from the field, 46% from 3, but he's one shot under 50%. 8 of 10 from the line, um, grabbing 3 boards, scoring 11 points, and he has more steals than turnovers and probably the best assist turnover ratio on the team. Um, do you like? Do you like what... Uh, not to put this on you, do you like what Creighton's getting out of Mitch Ballack so far, or do you think there's like, do you think he needs to give him more? Like, is it yeah. enough or is it right? He's doing, is it? He's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's doing exactly what I I thought he needed to do, which is a little bit of everything. Okay. Like they they, um, you know, when he's open, he's hitting shots. Um, when he's guarded, he's finding a way to still create for other teammates. He made it. He had a pass. I think it was to set up Marcus for an open three. At the top of the key, yep. where I was like, I, I mean, he, Mitch drove, drew the defense, and I, I, I didn't know where he was going with it. I was like, Are you going to force this up? Because that's going to be, that's not going to work out well for you. And, mm-hmm. and um, faked me out, man, and, and kicked it out to Marcus for an open three. I think he missed it, but it was still an example of just, I feel like Mitch is just playing really under control right now and knows what he's what his role is within the team and just finding ways to make an impact in so many different ways. So I think it's good to, like, I think it's good for Creighton to have a guy like Mitch who, like, there's a lot of players on this team who don't care about the stat sheet, but Mitch is one of those guys that, like, he is purely about winning. And, um, again, I do think they have a lot of guys on the team like that, but he, I think Mitch could go to, through a game 
it's hard to imagine him not taking a shot. But he, I think, he, I think it's conceivable in my mind for him to go through a game without taking a shot, and, and, and still you wouldn't, impact. you wouldn't tell the, you wouldn't know the difference talking to him. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Afterward, okay. if okay. if he if he uh, was zero for one or seven for ten, like he's still gonna, as long as the team won, I think he's still gonna kind of have that same demeanor. But and but yeah, he's still gonna have an impact even going zero for one mm-hmm. because he's gonna rebound and. Um, set other guys up for shots and he's defending better I think his closeouts are getting better so yeah he's he's making an impact in a lot of ways which no, is important no doubt so we might I might, we have to do some research I, I've got a note running through my head now Damian Jefferson has not shot below 50% in a game all year I, okay so his that's, his, that's source 7 game Ken Pomeroy here's, here's the Ken Pomeroy sets he's 16th in the country in effective field goal percentage and 12th in true shooting percentage. Damian Jefferson. <laughs> Damian Jefferson. Let me know if you had that bet going on, because <laughs> you are incredibly shrewd. Because um, Kyrie I Thomas, mean, Kyrie Thomas, as efficient as he was, was. Yeah. I mean, again, it's we're seven games in the season. Sure, so, sure. Small sample size, um, right? I think Kyrie was somewhere in the 30s okay. in both of those categories. Okay. But yeah. So, yeah. so here's here's Damian's season to date. 30 of 45 from the field, um, 9 of 12 from 3, not bad for a guy who can't shoot. Um, he's actually only 74% from the free throw line. but So he's shooting better from 3 than from the th- free yes, throw line. Yes, he is. 75% to 74%, 73.7. You're, <laughs> you're very right. Um, but, I mean, think about this. So two games against opponents that phys- physically, defensively, were trying to you know, impose their will on Creighton. Six for six at the line against East Tennessee State. Seven for eight tonight against Montana. He kind of, to me, I was curious about Damian's ability to, because he's such a guy that hasn't really proven himself at the D1 level yet, I always, when I think about guys like that, I always think there needs to be something to instill confidence and they need, like, performances against, you know, whether the lesser opponents or whatever it is, a breakout type of game where 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 it just takes off from there. Um but to me, he looks like he's got a mentality of, like, a, he's got kind of a fighter's mentality. Um, I thought he only had three rebounds tonight, but I thought he was, like, in the fight a lot. He was. And he was, it, kept it alive on a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, and not just, like, jumping up and trying to get it. Like, a lot of guys just try to jump for rebounds. He was, like, trying to move people, you know what I mean? So I thought he was, that he brought a physicality, that he, and I think he's brought it all year, um, which, is, which I think only a confident player can do. Um, because usually that's the first thing that kind of folds up when you're not as confident. You don't fight as much. You're not as physical. You kind of want something to come easy for you um, in order to build that back up, and then you start fighting. But, you know, I just think everything he is doing is – everything he's done so far I think is aggressive throughout the whole season. I think it's all based on his aggression. No doubt. Um, You know, he does have 13 turnovers, so – Maybe it's too much aggression, but I don't think you're worried about him having 13 turnovers for six games. It's only you know it's only two less than he's at less than two turnovers a game, so it's not like you know he's coughing it up four or five times a game. So I think he's under control, but I think all of his stuff so far has been with the necessary amount of aggression that Creighton needs out of him, and you know for him to go four for four of six and knock down three for three from the three point line and also get to the line eight times, like I think that's all kind of 
you know, take the threes that the defense is giving you, attack the rim, like all that type of stuff is translating. And, you know, he has 18 points, you know, two games removed from having 20 against Georgia State. So, like, I think, again, he's passing all of our all of the tests with flying colors so far in terms of what he's bringing to the team. Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, he's such a – I mean, he's a good athlete, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes, especially if the jump shot's not there, it has been, so – Maybe at this point it's a little bit moot, but I I was curious to see how he would, if he would be able to maintain that aggressiveness against better athletes. Okay. That's kind of what, what I was looking at. Okay. Because what are you going to do against guys that can guard you a little bit better? That it's a little bit tougher to just, you know, first step your biome type thing, um, where they are actually going to be able to close out and still defend you, and keep you from doing what you want to do, um, going to your preferred moves. Could you still? kind of bring that mentality possession after possession I feel like he has so his I feel like his demeanor and his confidence because I and the thing is back in the, a year ago at this time like I didn't know where he was mentally just oh, in terms from a confidence oh, standpoint yeah it was not even and and even though he made strides during the offseason I, I I kind of in my head I was always kind of going back to last year and how hesitant he was and just uncertain. You know, part of it was being in a new spot, but part of it was because he was, at the time, remaking his jump shot and just trying to settle in and all this stuff within Creighton's offense and learning things. But, yeah, I just didn't know how he was going to react to being in being in games and having, you know, having a scouting report on him and people trying to take stuff away. But, yeah, he's done a good job. <laughs> and I mean, he's been the what the the early season surprise for Creighton, right? Like if you had to pick a guy that well there's a I feel like there's several guys that have <laughs> performed maybe exceeded expectations, but he's to me he's number one. I don't think a lot of people had on their on their uh preseason predictions that Damian Jefferson would be averaging double digits. Mm-hmm. Much less I mean is it part of like the magic of you know, we've talked about it a lot over the over the, you know last few years of Creighton's ability to develop guys with that redshirt year. Um, you know, we might see it with uh, Denzel Mahoney next year as well. I mean, he's pretty impressive in practice. I I think he had more of a skill set already, but we'll see how much he improves. But you know, Creighton's kind of have it. You know, building a pretty decent track record here of you know getting guys to better themselves with that whole year off. And, yeah. You know, Damian Jefferson was a kind of a blank slate, really. He only had one way to go, really, in terms of improvement. Um, you know, he wasn't, like you said, wasn't much of a factor when he first got on campus. He didn't really notice this skill set. So for him to have as much of an impact as he's having right now, as you've said, is, yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah, like, when when in practice a year ago did you see him bang in two threes right. and then take a couple people off the dribble for a layup or something, like, I don't even think I remember seeing the dude dunk for like four months. Right, it wasn't like before anything before Christmas. I have no significant <laughs> memory of, of him doing yeah. anything significant. In practice, it's it's yeah. just crazy the rate of improvement that he's had. Mm-hmm. As soon as he kind of, I mean, as soon as he sort of like found himself and got some confidence going, like dude took off seriously. And he's it, like I just remember the second half of the year. Noticing all of a sudden this guy who's just a scout team nightmare, but, testing Kyrie. But it wasn't Marcus, a, it like, wasn't consistent. I, but I do remember he made a couple like he'd do a couple moves where I think he won he went between his legs on, on a 
on a drive once, and I was like, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> like, I, think, I think he wrapped it around his back and then went between his legs, and I'm like, is that David Jefferson? Who is that? Did you get a new transfer? And so, like, the idea that he had the confidence to do that, mm-hmm. I think was that was a sign that he was turning the corner. But, yeah, he's been um, – I'm, I'm curious to see how if he can keep it up, you know, yeah. like – I mean, because there's a, there's a that's whole deal. A question. Once you start putting stuff on tape, then people try to take yeah. away your strengths. So. Exactly. Yeah. That's a question for a lot of these guys, um, mm-hmm. especially the newcomers. Once now that now that there's tape out, and especially in conference teams. Are, <laughs> these God, it's so hard to believe this is like still considered small sample size territory because of how much we've seen them grow in the last week. You know what I mean? Like that's what that's what kind of is weird. To me is like they seemed like they were going to be maybe a month away from or two away from, you know, becoming what they could be. And then all of a sudden it's we've kinda we're kinda seeing an accelerated Offensively, rate. yes. For sure. I but I mean I think defensively they're always gonna be yeah. behind the eight ball just because of how they recruit and things like that. I think they recruit guys with skill sets and try to turn them teach them into a team yeah. defensive type of a, a, a team that can but I think yeah. take away things, you know, collectively. Right. But the, that, I don't think they're I don't think they're planning for a Kyrie Thomas to be in their plans every single year. No, but I do think that they can do a much better job of that that collective sort of Mm -hmm. team defensive philosophy. I I agree, but part of it, and I don't don't think I mentioned this enough, but like, I do think it's really difficult for them to be what they want to be offensively and be what they... I guess it's tough for me, here's what I'll say. It's tough for for, I think players to be what they want to be offensively in this system and also be like Kyrie Thomas stoppers at the same time. Like, just have a, that mentality. Yeah, I mean, being, the pace like, you're playing at, like, you've got to expend so much energy on the offensive side of the floor and getting the game up and down. Like, the whole court is your weapon, and the space is your weapon. Then to have to come down on the other end and be like, all right, bending the knees, the ass to the floor, slapping the floor, getting in someone's face, like, yeah. that to me is just, like, a tough switch to flip back and forth just by basing crossing the half court But line. they have to do it. They have to I be mean, serviceable defensively. If they if they can run like this, yeah. that's going to be how they wear teams out. Like, right. I just don't know if identity-wise they're trying to be... The positive is they have 10 players. That's, that's, what, I th- that's, what, I think, that's yeah. what I think is going to be... And they haven't had 10 We talked players. about this in soccer, like, with, with Creighton's soccer team, and I know it's different sports, but, like, Creighton's soccer, their defense was predicated off the pressure they could create offensively because that keeps... You know, that wears teams, teams out. Teams With Creighton's yeah. depth that they have in this year's team, if everybody stays healthy and they get guys to develop and improve throughout the season, their offense and their pace will be um, a defensive weapon because they can wear teams out. Yeah. I thought it was a weapon tonight. I thought Montana – I don't – like, they didn't stop Montana. Montana shot 67% in the second half. But the pace – Made it difficult for Montana to keep up with them. They they they, 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 they could not keep well, yeah, seven the guys deep like versus ten. Creighton, Creighton scoring never stopped. And if Mar- in the moments when Mar- Montana was in a mini funk offensively mm-hmm. or maybe a little winded, they they needed to get subs in or something, and Creighton found a way to get stops. That's when the lead grew. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I mean, Creighton, look, at, look at points off turnovers tonight. Montana turned over fourteen times. Creighton scored twenty nine points off those. Yeah. That's a lot. That's like that. You talk about efficiency offensively. That's efficiency with your extra opportunities. Fourteen for twenty nine. That's you're turning every turnover into a bucket essentially. That's what that rate is. And then you hit one three. Yeah. So like yeah, that's that's 
to what me, you, that's going to be a part of their weaponry. Okay, this year. what do you make of their comfortable wins over Montana and Georgia State? Two teams that like Georgia State. I so, thought came out just they weren't ready. They weren't ready. They, they, I mean, it's not like they weren't ready, but I just don't think they came out because the next day they looked much more like yeah. Georgia State should look. I think with all their experience. I just don't might think have they been, were. Maybe it was just game two. Maybe it was the fact that their star players like didn't start well, and mm-hmm. then it was like, eh, we don't feel it today. Yeah, but they just didn't they, fight in the first I just half. Want, and it was like, too late. Creighton that. putting together twenty. Well, what the hell would they be? Georgia State like thirty twenty five twenty five so twenty five uh, against Georgia State and twenty six tonight. Yeah, those two teams. Well, first off, they did play Montana beat Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Georgia State, I think the other night. No, that was ETSU. My bad. So Georgia State beat ETSU. ETSU beat, um, I think, Georgia Southern at Georgia Southern mm-hmm. last Georgia night. Georgia Southern beat Montana. Georgia Southern beat Montana. Those are mid-major teams. That, again, it's it's like it's mid-major teams that you should handle if you want to make the NCAA tournament. I get it because they're, they're teams that, if they get in, are 15, 14, 13 seeds. Mm-hmm. But it's still... Impressive to put together wins like that against because these aren't they're not bottom three hundred teams right they're not the teams that are um, you know that typically spoil your resume they're mm-hmm. teams that usually give you a nice little boost in the committee room mm-hmm. when they say well you know kudos to this this team because they did they they actually tried to challenge themselves instead of um, Ordering up cupcakes, and Creighton's beating these teams by at least the last three weeks. That way, ordering up cupcakes that makes a lot of sense. What you said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and here they are. Take a, take a tray full of Jones Bros, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. Who? There's some teams that have done that no already doubt. this St. year. St. John's, Rochelle, Cough, Cough. Right, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and they're not even beating those teams like this. No, they're not. I know. Again, I it's, it's, yeah. it's two games, and Montana was missing one of its guys. It's a, a, a starter that's obviously important to what they do. And Georgia yep. State, like you said, wasn't like. But that's really gonna. Ready but to but play. that's not gonna like. Montana only getting that guy back doesn't take away Creighton's win. It only makes Montana better, which only makes Creighton's win better. Like that. No, the committee yeah. room isn't gonna be like. You know what did that Montana win look like? I mean, Creighton won by twenty six tonight. So you could, you could make the case that, you know, if if it comes down to a, a debate about Creighton's legitimate legitimacy of the win over Montana, you know, it was lopsided. So you could argue that one player doesn't flip it in that much of a dramatic direction where yeah. it doesn't count for Creighton. If you know what I mean, like uh, the yeah. value of it, I guess. But no, I, I yeah, the wins that they have so far. I mean to be six and one through this part of the schedule with a you know a loss to Ohio State. I think not only is exceeding um, our expectations, I guess, uh, in terms of how they would navigate this schedule, but you know, and who knows what happens Saturday. I don't expect them to win, but I don't think I don't think Creighton's in a bad position splitting the Montana Gonzaga week. I thought that's what they needed to do. Yeah. Whether no matter who they got, whether yeah. it was Gonzaga, whether they got. Trapped by Montana and beat Gonzaga, or the other way around. Like, right. I think the fact that they got one this week was important because they're going to have a week to prepare for Nebraska, which is going to be another tall task. But I felt like you know getting one out of this week was important to you know keep progressing. Yeah, it's just it, I I see these scores and I'm just like, you know, I 
I haven't reset expectations just yet because I'm, I'm, ultimately, it doesn't matter what you do against these types of teams. It matters what you do against the rest of the Big East and right. Gonzaga and Nebraska and Oklahoma. That's going to determine more than this whether or not you're in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. But I think this one will probably be better than Oklahoma, though. I I think. I, I like Oklahoma. In the pecking order, do you really? I do actually like okay. Oklahoma, especially on the road. I, it, might be, it might be a quad one game. Oh, you think so? Um, okay. We'll see what Oklahoma does, but I, I, I don't know. They seem to be a little they, – they're much better than I thought they would be. Okay. I don't think they're going to be horrible. I've only seen their game against Florida, so that's the only thing. That wasn't a great so game right. overall. That's all. That's my only general. game so far. <laughs> Listen, so general. Mine's, mine's warped. <laughs> but um, – yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's. I think they got worked by Wisconsin the next night too. They lose by twenty. They did not. Did they get? I didn't see. I that thought game. it was like seventy-eight, fifty-eight, right? Wasn't it? I didn't see it, but I know they. I thought they lost by twenty. So that I saw the Florida game, which I thought didn't think was a very good game, and that then they got worked by Wisconsin, who I don't think is a team that works people. But no, um, um, yeah, they got beat seventy-eight, fifty-eight. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm. Uh, I think about seventy. So yeah, I feel like I, yeah. To me, I have Montana and. In Georgia State, to an extent, in higher in the pecking order than Oklahoma, despite the name value and the Big Twelve. But I, I mean, at the same time, when you when you notch a win over a Power Five team, um, you know they have the ability to boost you by you know just knocking off a power, another Power team yeah. throughout the year. So like, yeah, that kind of having the win over Clemson, I think, is going to be valuable because they'll beat good ACC teams, whether they are an NCAA tournament team or not. They'll get quality wins that'll help Creighton's. I mean, in theory, help Creighton's resume. We don't know how the new Metric is going to work in that regard yet, but you know, just based on old habits, <laughs> you would think so. Yeah, exactly. Should we get to questions real quick here before we wrap it up? Yeah. All right. First one comes to us from Brian J thirteen seventeen. Um, I am a big fan of mints. I feel like there's a butt coming. But how much longer until Marcus is the starter? So we're probably going to get this question every game, but. I guess maybe the way to ask it is: Are you are you leaning in any different direction than you were the last time we talked about this? <laughs> yeah. When, when when did we last pot do a pot? Because like, um, sure Ohio State, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do think that Davion needs to get off to a better start because let's support it's it. weird, right? Like yeah. and Davion has nightmare first halves, been really good second halves. Like I know it doesn't. You make came sense. up with a crazy theory tonight that like doesn't seem all that crazy based on yeah. data. Well, it's almost like maybe we should do like an opener. Can you do an opener like they do in baseball? Okay. Where you just like oh, let the guy it. pitch for an inning okay. and then bring in. So like have him play like a two-minute Just have Davion sit play. him for 18 and then <laughs> let him, let him and assess then the game and, and get stalled, get all angry and pent up and everything. It's, it's yeah. odd. Isn't it though? Yeah. The, uh, and, and that, I mean, the point of your starting lineup it doesn't necessarily have to, especially with this team, it doesn't have to be the five best guys, right. but you want it to be... But you can't dig holes. You don't want to dig holes, and yeah. you want it to be... Um, you want it, you want it to be the five guys who are going to get you off to the best start. It doesn't necessarily... Again, it, has, it doesn't have to be your best five. It's who gets you off to the best start. He definitely, and they actually got off to a good start, but he had... I mean, they had four turnovers, and I think he had two of them. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, and so it's just... Yeah, it's just weird because... Then he, then he comes in in the second half and is like uh, delivering dime balls to 
Zagorowski on that back door. Oh, that was a nice play. Yeah, setting really nice teammates yeah. up for three pointers. He had he had a nice. I think he had a nice dribble drive and kick to Tyshawn. Tyshawn missed the shot, but it was a good play. Mm-hmm. Davion hit. He had hit three in the corner. It's like I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> like it played so well in the second half, and the, and then it was the same thing against uh, Clemson that game. Didn't didn't it, what what game was it? Boise State or Georgia State? Where he like. Might have been Boise. Boise said he had the incredible second half. And yeah, an absolute nightmare for first. Half. Right, but that second yeah. half, he like sparked them to ensure that that game was without yep. was not going to be in doubt because of the way he played. So, yep. I don't know what to do there, and I don't know if the coaching staff. We I haven't really asked Greg McDermott about his philosophy on starting. Usually, if, he seems like if, it, if I can find a way where it works for everyone, then that's right. what I'm going to roll with. Um, so I, I'm guessing. Until either player really forces him to make a decision, he'll stick with what is going on right now. I mean, they are six and one, and the offense is yeah. and the offense is clicking right now. So, well, I mean, even I mean, your thought is it's like, well, these turnovers are fixable. Like the yeah. the pick sixes that happened against Boise, that just don't make that pass. You can get you can fix that, right? right? Yeah, just um, do not do that. <laughs> uh, because otherwise. In the other aspects, in terms of facilitating, they made their first eight shots, seven shots tonight. Nine, I thought, right? Was it nine for nine? Yeah, I I mean, and they were all good looks. Yep. And he was on the floor well, for, for the for the Tyshons was a horrible look. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he cashed it anyway. Uh, uh, and he was on the floor for half of that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the answer is to that. But I. I do think that once he gets settled into the game, and when Marcus Zagorowski finds his groove, when they're both kind of playing off each other and complimenting one another. It gives Creighton a nice look to their offense because the, it's they play different, they play play differently, but they can both be effective in what they do, mm-hmm. and I think um, it just adds another element for defenses to have to like contend with as they yeah. try to slow Creighton down. I mean, Marcus Zagorowski is the point guard of the future, so let's say it like that, um, and he has more time in his future than Davion Mintz, so like. That's the best way to put it. But, but I think but both you're guys. To, but you're trying to win now. What works now? Exactly. That's, that's I, the I question. Think both I don't guys, know. And and also, Davion is better defensively. Like that's one area of the game that I don't yeah, think gets enough no, credit. There's no question about that. You know, so that doesn't get enough. credit. Especially just on the ball. Yep. And and he did get called for a foul where I thought he played pretty good defense. It seemed like he was straight up just walled up on the guy, and, and I don't know if the guy created contact or maybe he got him with the lower body, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's he's had games where he's played like he was really good against Ohio State defensively. He's had he's had some impressive moments. I think. So. Um, <laughs> this next one is not very flattering. Uh, I'm just going to address this because I think we should anyway. Um, or not we, but I will. Uh, so because we talked about this before a day like two days ago. Um, will the Omaha World Cup provide a play by play breakdown of this game on the front page of the sports page tomorrow, or is that? Only reserved for teams from Lincoln. So, look, I understand that, like, there's um, a chip on the shoulder for Creighton fans in terms of, like, when they see anything positive about Nebraska and maybe not the same ratio of positivity for the Blue Jays. I get it. Um, I've certainly been in those shoes before, I guess, because I grew up a Creighton fan. So I'm not going to say I've never said uttered those words in my life either. So, well, and I can, but I will say, let me just say before I don't even want John to chime in on this one. Um, John does phenomenal work. Like he is at practices, 
Um, he travels on the road. He spends time getting to know all these teams, all these coaches, all these players, all the staff members. Um, there's no one who does a better job on this beat uh, than Johnny Atawa. So, regardless of what the editorial side of the business decides to do in terms of like trying to find the right balance of Huskers versus Jays readership and all that stuff like that, John's work still deserves credit. And you should still support John's work by subscribing to Omaha.com because that's where all this stuff is. You know, buying a newspaper if... Um, buying a newspaper, supporting all of the work he does because, you know, that's his time, that's his effort, and it's for you. So while he gets a paycheck from it, it's the coverage you want, and he's providing it. So I understand the frustration. I do. I, I really do. I've been in those shoes before as, like, a 13-year-old trying to find enough Creighton coverage to satisfy my tastes. I, I, I get it. But that's not a Johnny Atawa complaint. So support everything he's giving you because – it's tireless, and it's of high quality. And that's all I'm going to say on that. And we'll move on to basketball. Sorry. I didn't really want you. If you want to, if you want to, you nah, can. I didn't really think that was. I just wanted to kind of get that out there because um, I think with, uh, you know, I think with the, with, the, with the FBI thing and, you know, some of the columns that were written, I think people are probably like a little bit sour on the coverage of that Creighton is getting right now. So I think it's only fair to prop up what you're doing. Yeah. I, think you're I, mean, doing I, I think you're doing a good job, and I think you're a good reporter. Right. I think you deserve credit for that. And I know, you know, snark is fun at the same time, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's, I, not, let's not make it a John thing. It's not, you know, there's a business side of this too, but John's providing you all the coverage you could ever hope for, trust Yeah, me. and I appreciate you saying that. And another thing I'll say is, like, no matter where it appears in the paper, it's still there. I'm gonna mm-hmm. for sure after every game. I'm gonna give you a game story, and I'm gonna give you a. Notebook. We got fa- you have Facebook Live pregame, right? We got a okay. Facebook Live pregame. We got, um, you know, I'll give you a, a, as good a story as I can to advance the game to preview it for you, and then usually there'll be something on the website after recaps, notebooks. Yeah, and then of so, course we have this podcast that we're doing here. It's like yeah. I don't know what what time you guys listen to this, but it's twelve thirty eight right now. John's got a wife at home. Probably misses him. A dog at home that definitely Two dogs. Him. I have two dogs. Oh, you have two dogs now? Yeah. When did you get another one? Uh, a, few, a few months ago. Oh, okay. Sorry we didn't. I have two dogs that miss me, I know for sure, so yeah. I know yours definitely miss you. So, yeah, yeah he's got a house full of but just loved ones. But here's the thing, I do, I love it, man, and I enjoy, yeah. um, I, I love the sport, I enjoy interacting with these players and these coaches, and I enjoy answering questions. Of, and he enjoys interacting, interacting with the, with the fans. fans. Yeah. yeah, like that's Interacting with right. you guys and mm-hmm. trying to get you the information that you want. Mm-hmm. And Matt does the same thing. And so, um, I mean, in the end, it's just sports, right? So we're trying to have fun watching sports and releasing from the I think we're game. all like sports. We're all coming from a place of sports fandom. Yeah. Right? yeah like this is, this is a great job. I'm really lucky to have it. So I, I pour a lot of passion into it. And so hopefully you can set aside sort of whatever happened in the past in terms mm-hmm. of your perception of, of editorial decisions with our paper and where things are placed or how much coverage something gets. Just know that um, I'm working hard and I'm going to keep doing it. There you go. Moving on to Jay's basketball questions. Um, this is from Brian again. Uh, oh, we've got, we got predictions here. How do you think the Jays go against the Zags, Nebraska, and Oklahoma? 
Is there a trap game in there? Is Co College in between there? Um, Green Bay. Green Bay. Oh, At home. I don't know if you want to skip over that one. Yeah, Winston. They played Oregon close in Eugene, didn't they? Yeah, Oregon also lost to Texas Southern. Oh, so you're not high in Oregon anymore. Okay. <laughs> I, I, see I, what, I see where you went with that yeah. one. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm high on Bull Bull. Okay, that's fair. That All right, so let's, let's, just, yeah, let's just stick with the three that uh, Brian gave us here. Zags, Nebraska, Oklahoma. When's finals Oklahoma week in there? That's, I guess that's kind of my question, too. Probably Green Bay week, right? Or co- it's I probably would, Co week, actually. No, because Co, it goes, uh, it's, it has to be Green Bay week because December 18th is Oklahoma, and then Co is two days after that. Okay. So it would have to be, I think Green Bay might be the Friday of finals week. Okay. So it's after Oklahoma then. Okay, but, so, okay so prediction right now. Zags, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Oh, I think you're feeling good if you go one and three. Or one and two, honestly. I, I'm... Because two of those are true roadies. Yeah. And then you have the number one team in the nation. Right. But I kind of feel like they're going to split Gonzaga and Nebraska. It's almost like if you threw Montana in there and said two and two is. Well, good. I actually said I was doing, uh, I did Clemson, Montana, Gonzaga, and Nebraska. And I said if they're two and two in that stretch, they're, That's fine. you feel good about. No, not oh, no, 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 no. I was okay, 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 gotcha, gotcha. I was like, I think you feel pretty good at two and two in that stretch. They're already two and oh. So in my mind, they're playing with house money. Um, well, they're definitely playing with house money on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the number one team in the nation in your own building. Like, yeah. You can just shoot threes from wherever you want, pretty much, and hope they go in. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Gonzaga is really good, and Nebraska is really good at home. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, I don't know. A week to prepare, though, is appealing. Nebraska's going to play Illinois and then Minnesota. And then have to turn you really, around. And you play really crazy. Minnesota that Minnesota right there. By the way, <laughs> Minnesota. 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 Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go loss to Gonzaga, win against Nebraska. Oh, I don't know the Oklahoma game. Because then, then you're almost feels saying two one, right? Yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma feels like, but uh, I don't know. They they did impress me this week by by staying focused on Montana and not having a letdown after a really impressive week. So they they've shown a sign of. Being focused. All right. But they're going to have some here, point. Some point they're going to have it. Here, I'm going to say they're losing mine's gonna Mine's going to be a little different. Right now. Okay. But so I, that'll, that'll change probably. I mean, that'll, yeah. Yeah, mine's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to say they're 2-1, and one, but I'm going to say the split is Gonzaga-Nebraska. They get one of those. Okay. And I'm going to say they get Oklahoma and for sure. Yeah. All right. Because, I, again, I'm sour on Oklahoma at the moment. Here's the thing, though. I keep underestimating Creighton's non-conference. And uh, Coach McDermott talked about, like, just their hard team to prepare for, especially when they're rolling offensively. But the last two years, I mean, they have over – they have exceeded my expectations for yes. them as a non-conference team. Yeah, they've, we're, they've we're only halfway ahead for them. We're only halfway game. through it. But so far they've already exceeded well, – Really by a game, I think I thought they'd be five and two at this point, but gotcha. uh, yeah, they or maybe I didn't. Maybe I did have them at six and one. I think I had them winning nine games in non-conference. So whatever that. I had them at two and one in the Caymans and losing to. Ohio. I had two losses already. Yeah, I think I had them losing to Ohio State too. But so, anyway, yeah, they're they're ahead of they're one game ahead of my pace at the moment. But yeah, for the next three, I have them. I have them splitting Zags, Nebraska. And being Oklahoma, so two and one for me in that three game stretch is what I have. There's so many teams across the country that are losing these by games. The teams that aren't 
you know, the Texas Southern beating, well, they beat Baylor and yeah. uh, and Oregon. So you're saying co-college, look out. <laughs> UMKC? UMKC. I don't know. Okay. Usually Creighton's pace, that's what's, that was the thing that was missing those first two games. Usually Creighton's pace, like tonight, just wears teams out. Like yeah. the teams that don't have as much depth or as much. Which is uh, kind of what I feel about the Nebraska game, but. That being, yeah, right. Lincoln, that being in Lincoln is a different animal, but yeah, Nebraska be, has. You want to talk about teams that aren't deep? Yeah, that's that's one that comes to top of mind. So, um, is the week off between Zags and Nebraska a net positive, or would it be better to have a game in between to keep momentum? No, I like that. Have no. that. I mean, I think They're having just, a week before the Nebraska game is actually kind of cool to to build up all the tension that yeah. goes into that rivalry. Um, I like the way that's set up, and and it's it'll be good no matter what if they beat. Gonzaga that'll springboard them into Nebraska. Well, they'll lose if they lose, yeah, yeah. If yeah. they lose, which <laughs> I mean, that seems like the most likely scenario. They'll have plenty of things to be motivated for mm-hmm. to go at Nebraska. So for that, from their vantage point, the schedule works out pretty well for them. Okay. This is from Jonathan. Wasn't able to catch the game. Uh, what clicked after the slow start? What's going to happen as the season progresses that didn't in the first twenty? Um, Creighton didn't start slow. Defensively, maybe? Okay. Um, how do you want to interpret this? They were 9 from 9 for the field to start the game, Jonathan. So that was a really hot start. But uh, but the turnovers. The turnovers the turno- were The issue. turnovers okay, so, and then just defensively. So up. maybe what happened in the second half that didn't happen in the first 20? For me, it was pace, honestly. I felt like they just wore Montana out. Like, Montana was, I think, went 8 deep tonight? Or did they go 5... Don't yeah, count. they went eight guys deep, but only six of them played twenty plus minutes. So really, they went like six deep. Because that Kramer, yeah. that Kramer was just into foul people. He played thirteen <laughs> minutes and five fouls and two turnovers. So I mean, he did was, have a nice dunk though. He did. That's he did. A good yeah, dunk. he did. Um, so yeah, they only really went like six deep. So I thought the pay I, to me that was that I don't think there was a difference in the first twenty. I think the difference was Creighton plays practices like this and they're able to sustain it. Montana wasn't deep enough to handle that. That's yeah. what happened. I to me, that was the difference. I feel like that's – I don't need to add much. Other than we, we've talked a lot. We, we've yeah, talked yeah, for yeah. an hour, so for we've sure. covered a lot of that kind of stuff. But. John's getting fed up already. <laughs> I'm out. I've had enough of this crap, man. It's 1 o'clock. Um, is Max still working on a two-big man set? That's one question. How are the big men progressing in practice? Crample and Epperson seem to have good games tonight. They did seem to have good games yeah. tonight. That's accurate. Together? Um, I mean, you I might see it on Saturday. Too- yeah. Oh, Saturday. definitely for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's matchup based for sure. Like John mentioned there, um, how are they progressing? I mean, I think Martinez obviously getting better, getting some of his mojo back. And Epperson, I haven't seen him really uh, favor the knee all that much in the last maybe two, three weeks. I guess is that a fair time? Last two weeks for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think he's starting to kind of round into form a little bit, and the performances are dictating that. I thought he was really good in the Cayman Islands, um, you know, putting pressure on the rim, catching some lobs that no one else can catch, stuff like that. I think the thing with uh, – I think they want to keep that 300 monster going and and but also still keep the pace going. So the, 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 the small – the four-guard lineup I think is still something you'll see a lot of. Um, and I think they still want Froling to be a part of this. So, you know, working through his turnover funk right now is something they want to get – um, going so I think, I think that all a, three of those guys are still going to be major factors yeah. in the near future. But it's just about how do they play with each other. I think that was kind of the question okay. that the coaching staff had: is can we still create that same space and pace and 
movement with two bigs on the floor mm-hmm. as opposed to just one. And they haven't had a lot of practice reps with it. Yeah, so I think Sam's turnover issues are probably nipping that one or putting that one on the back burner for now because I think they want to manage Martine and Jacob. So playing them separately is probably what they're ideal going to right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and also, don't but, forget, don't forget Christian Bishop either because he factors in that rotation as well because he could play the five. Um, this is uh, looking ahead to Gonzaga. Who do you think gets the defensive assignments on Clark and Hachimura? Um, I don't know. Again, who's the best defensive guy in the big in the NBA right now? Joel Embiid. <laughs> They got they got a Joel. I don't know if the defensive assignments are going to. Ma- Anthony Davis. <laughs> Davis they can good. get him, right? That's yeah. how it works. I mean, he's a free agent coming up, right? Maybe no, five years, four years. No, he signed an extension. Listen, I, I don't know if defensive assignments are going to matter on Saturday. <laughs> I don't want to like like throw your question to the wayside there, but Creighton's going to probably have to score 120 points, maybe. <laughs> Like, they're just – Gonzaga has so much firepower, man. Even as injured as they are, they have so much firepower. I mean, they do. They got Ravel's maybe a stud. Hachimura's foul, foul trouble, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think you know I what? Know. By attrition. Creighton's going to have yeah. to use those five fouls, those bigs. Are, I mean, Hachimura is a beast. I don't know if they have anybody that can guard him one-on-one. No, because he's just too even, quick. Yeah. For, and with his size. Um, I mean, Brandon Clark is really good, too, in the post. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a good – He's, like, top ten in the country in effective field goal percentage. And, like, right. he does all his work down low. I mean, he's just unstoppable on the block one-on-one. So I'd imagine they're going to have to double him, which opens up things on the other parts of the court. Like, I don't know. Right. I don't know what they're going to do. All right, so where do you think Creighton adva- has advantages over Gonzaga? And it's I think they try to answer it. Depth in the five spot, you think? Um, I do think – Depth at the depth, five spot. I, I would say just depth overall. And depth over, and I think uh, pace overall too. Yeah, Gonzaga is really efficient, but I don't know if they necessarily play at Creighton's pace. They so can, with they depth can, they and can the pace, push. with um, depth and pace, I think Creighton has a, an advantage yeah. over Gonzaga for sure. They want the game up and down. Right, and Gonzaga just had another injury. I think Gino Crandall. Gino that, Crandall, right? Uh, so they're injury. only like six or seven deep themselves right now. I think because Crandall was averaging eighteen minutes off the bench. Yeah, and I think the next is. And obviously Tilly's out, so yeah. So Gonzaga has like six or seven guys at the moment. That's what they're kind of going to bring here. Yeah. So unless some guy steps up that is averaging single digits and minutes, I think the next guy after Crandall was fourteen and seven. If I went down the roster properly, yeah. um, so they're not very deep. So I think depth and pace are going to be big time factors on Saturday for Creighton. If yep. they can take care of the ball, get the game up and down, pushing um, tempo, hit, is hit, so hitting huge. shots is yeah. going to be important oh because Gonzaga is going to hit shots. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think again, as I kind of mentioned before, I I think Creighton's offense and pace is going to be their best defense on Saturday because I don't think they're going to have much success at stopping Gonzaga or slowing them down. So that's how I see it. Um, this is one you know, the other, the other thing on Clark to note about Gonzaga as you read through these th- these questions. Yeah, uh, Brandon Clark is like top ten in the country in blocks. Or block percentage, dude is a beast protecting the rim. And we, okay. if you remember the Creighton Gonzaga game last year, Creighton was really good in the first half at penetrating, allowing the defense to collapse, and creating for one another. In the second half, they got a little bit more one-on-one oriented and got a lot of shots blocked, and that led to runouts for Gonzaga. It led to um, situations where Creighton wasn't in good position defensively, mismatches, whatever, and. and that game got out of hand, mm-hmm. and it just helped build momentum. 
So that was one thing to note. And then the other thing that I saw, uh, Josh Perkins is like an, an assist man now. He's great. I, I, I was like, we talked the other day, and I was like, yeah, they don't have a point guard. And then all of a sudden I look at Josh Perkins' stats, and the dude's like, he's a distributor. Yep. I mean, they just look really good. <laughs> I'm just excited to watch that team in person. Um, this is our last, this is our last question. Are right, you want to say something? Well, I just want to say, maybe we maybe we'll talk after the game. Villanova, last year's Villanova versus this year's Gonzaga. Okay. Table that. Yeah. Because um, I think I already have my mind made up, but you know, I'll, I want to actually watch it. So we'll I feel see. like you're, you know, I feel like a hot take is coming by the way you said <laughs> that. Okay. I'll hold off. I'll hold off. Okay. Last question for the night. It felt like the game was too fast, and Montana went too small for Froling the night. Would you both concur? Um, I mean, it's kind of the same thing that he's that's been bugging him. I don't know if the I do think the game is going a little bit too fast for him in general. I don't know if Montana was. Too I don't fast think it really him. has anything to do with pace. It's more just like the, the general yeah, idea D1 of the D one transition. Yeah. Right. I do think there's there them being small. Sometimes like small. Dudes I mean, he dropped really, his first turnover. Did he only have one? Yeah, I, I thought he had two. He did have two. Okay. So, but the one I remember. Like he was, at the, he was at the wing, and he tried to just split like a double, like a, or a, he tried to. There was a stunt, and a guy guarding him, and he tried to split that and beat it off the dribble. Like that's not. Yeah, you. That's you not a smart play. Yeah, you'll learn, and obviously yeah. he's learning that you can't do that. But yeah. it does seem like he has like one of those a game where he's just like, oh, yeah, I can't do that. My bad. You right. know, like he realizes, and, and you'd imagine that the more reps he gets, uh, you know, the less often that happens. Mm-hmm. But I do think that. Sometimes you know, a small, a big dude operating around small guys, like especially him, he's pretty comfortable with his back to the basket yeah. and all and of a sudden putting he's the got, ball on the ground, right? Like he and then can, he's got yeah. these dudes swarming at him and mm-hmm. stuff and slapping his wrist and like, I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't think it was a great matchup for him, but oh, okay. I think there will be better matchups for him. Yeah, I think he does really well against a physical matchup because I thought his yeah. best game was against Clemson with like Elijah Thomas and those guys. He's good in that, yeah. yeah so. I think he needs a big bruiser to go up against. Maybe he'll maybe he'll be the guy that shuts down. Or who knows? Um, at least matches them. Yeah, the like you know, go skill for skill with him. Sure. <laughs> I think I think Froling is a skilled guy, and I think you know he works really hard, and um, we see some positive things in practice more than we see negative things for sure. Um, I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not worried too much about his uh, his performance yet. I think I think with the way Martin and Jacob are starting to play. Creighton can afford Jake or Sam to have some growing pains. Yeah. I, at the beginning of the year, I don't know if that was true. I thought I think you know Sam was kind of a guy that we felt they probably needed something out of quickly because of Martin and Jacob's situations. But they've kind of stepped it up, so I think Sam can af- afford to progress here um, a little bit slower than we probably thought when the season started. Yep. Also, by the way, I just thought of another advantage that Creighton has: crowd, home court. Oh, for sure. I yeah. think that, but does that bother a team like Gonzaga? No, it won't yeah, bother them so. most likely, but it'll help Creighton. Sure, yeah, they'll feed off. Yeah, I think that a lot of times now in college basketball, I think that's more the impact of the crowd. I think you see it less often that a crowd like really rattles a team. I feel like most of these players have, mm-hmm. when they're growing up playing in big time tournaments in high school or uh, in AAU, like they know what a big moment is and they've kind of like dealt with the jitters and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the boost that you get, the energy boost that you get from like seventeen thousand people cheering you on, 
after big play after big play, I feel like that can that can have an influence mm-hmm. and it can help Creighton fight a little bit harder on defense or um, you know, just boost the morale a little bit, try a little bit harder, dive after loose balls, that kind of thing, and inspire them to perform maybe better than they would normally. It was incredible, dude. I I, I guess I I don't have it with me, but. Creighton's performance last year at home versus its performance on the road in Big East play. It it was just, if you think about yeah. it got blown out at Xavier, yep. that game was a one-point game at home. Mm-hmm. got blown out at, at Nova, that game was Creighton's. Mm-hmm. Um, Providence, they controlled that game at home. Marquette, they were working Marquette before the collapse. Um, Seton Hall. Yeah, they, Seton Hall, they, 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 both they Butler, yeah. Butler controlled at home, got destroyed on the road. Wow, I never thought about that before. Yeah, it was astonishing when you, like, put it next to each other, the scores. Wow. Um, That's a good point. It, it can have an impact. So you're saying Creighton has an on-court advantage on Saturday? I think they do. That's a, that's a take, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, unless, Gonzaga, unless Gonzaga comes in and bangs, like, five threes, you know they're blocks gonna. three shots in the yeah. first, like, five minutes, and it's... Well, the Nova game you talked about, like Nova, like, had three. 15 points in, like, the first, like, three minutes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but Kyrie was unconscious. Yeah, Kyrie was unconscious. So that's what Kyrie. you need. You need some, that's, Someone has to be unconscious from the start. I've right? always said that that game, um, I mean, obviously Creighton had a comeback down eight at the end. Uh, with like eight minutes left or whatever it was they were trying by. Yeah. But the start of that game was like... Blistering. Yeah, it was just as important though. If Creighton... Villanova came in trying to punch him in the mouth and if Creighton wasn't ready mm-hmm. uh, for that, if Kyrie really, it was Kyrie because he hit all those threes, mm-hmm. then that game would not have unfolded that way. And it no. most likely would have been a comfortable win for Nova. It would have been uphill the whole way. And, and Nova, that's, Nova that might be that. what they ha- are facing against Gonzaga. They, they come out trying to really um, set the tone early, and if Creighton's not ready, like you said, fighting uphill is not an easy thing to do against that team mm-hmm. with that experience, even on even when they're playing on the road. I mean, you don't want to be 12 down at halftime like you were against Ohio State to Gonzaga. You're no. not going to fare well. Right. All right, that'll do it for tonight. Um, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for the questions as always. Hopefully we gave you guys some good insights, some good answers on those. Um, as always, check out John's work um, at Omaha.com. Buy a newspaper, subscribe to the website. Uh, what's your? You guys got six ninety nine a month right now going on, right? Yeah, still, okay. still sports only subscription six ninety nine a month. Ninety nine cents for the first month. Okay, and it's Christmas, so he needs to get something nice for his wife. So and the dogs, he has two of them now. So they need yeah. two, yeah, two doggy presents to get now. Maybe even two apiece. They've wow. Been, they've been good dogs. They're very good dogs. They're very good dogs. Yeah, but she needs to slow down. <laughs> Jeez, two apiece. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's Christmas time, all that stuff. And then, obviously, check out White and Blue Review's work as well. Um, you know, we'll have all the post-game coverage, pre-game coverage, practice reports. And it's a big week because we got volleyball going on. Um, oh, my God. I'm displaying the home road splits for Creighton last year to Matt right now. <laughs> Holy cow. It is... Uh, Look at that Georgetown plus twenty four though. Plus twenty four on the road. Good times, yeah. Yeah, Toby Hegner game. Toby Hegner game. That's right. It was. Yeah. Holy cow! That is. Yeah, we'll have to watch that this year. Yep. It was not that stark in two years ago. No. Because they lost home. They lost home games. Yeah, for sure. But last year they were. Wow. Pretty good at home. Much better at home than on the road. So we'll see if that keeps up this year. For sure. 
All right, well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will talk to you again, I mean, sometime Saturday. Saturday's going to be kind of a busy day if the volleyball team wins on Friday. So, oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. We might, have to, we might just have to do a short one. Yeah, we'll try. Um, have we ever done a short pod? We used to do, like, I don't know why we're always getting over an hour this year. We, were, we used to be, like, 35 to 45 last year. Now we just can't stop. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to be conservative on Saturday, but... Yeah, we will talk to you again on Saturday. Until then, thanks for tuning in. Have a good week, everyone.